This is The Space Shot, episode 142, for October 3rd, 2017. Sigma 7. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. I've got some big news. I talked about it briefly yesterday, but I am hosting the Cosmosphere podcast. It will be available on iTunes soon, but will be available for streaming online tomorrow. Now for today's space history. On October 3, 1962, Wally Schirra lifted off in his Sigma 7 capsule atop a Mercury Atlas rocket, the United States' fifth manned spaceflight. He orbited the Earth six times over a 9-hour and 13-minute mission. Unlike some of the other Mercury missions that focused on science, this mission focused on navigation and the engineering behind the Mercury spacecraft. Figuring out the specifics of navigation and spacecraft control was critical for the Gemini and Apollo flights that were to follow these missions. Of particular interest was the navigation when the spacecraft experienced nighttime. The book This New Ocean has a chapter on Shiraz flight, and I want to read a passage from it here. After a successful first orbit, Shiraz started a new navigation experiment. Quote, Over Australia, on his second pass, Shira began a more serious and considerably more difficult night-yaw experiment. He was to test the ability to use celestial navigation to align the spacecraft properly. Using Starfinder charts, Shira was supposed to orient himself by positioning Sigma-7 in relation to known stars or planets and the moon. Then he was to test his sense of facing to the right or left of his flight path by watching the apparent motions of heavenly bodies. The pilot found that the airglow layer was an excellent reference for pitch and roll. This belt, which appeared very thick above the horizon, could provide reference for these attitudes quite accurately. For experimentation with the airglow layer, he positioned Sigma-7 so that it appeared to aim at the upper layer of the belt. The entire book, This New Ocean, is a fantastic read, and I will link to it in the show notes, so check it out if you've got the time. The airglow layer that Shira was referring to is created by molecules and atoms that get excited by ultraviolet energy from the sun. This creates a glow that's visible from the spacecraft orbiting Earth, and you can even see parts of it here on a dark night on Earth. I'm including a really cool picture in the show notes that shows the International Space Station above the airglow layer. Even though the small window on the Mercury capsules prevented a wide field of view, he was still able to be within 4 degrees of a nominal alignment according to the telemetry that ground stations recorded. One of the things I found funny in this chapter was how Shira described the automatic configuration of the spacecraft that he was testing to be the quote, chimp configuration. During his flight, Shira also observed the fireflies that had been reported by John Glenn. With many of the engineering experiments completed, Shira then had a little bit of time for photography. He even had part of the audio from his mission broadcast on radio and television. Coverage of his flight did go up against the World Series between the New York Yankees and the San Francisco Giants that year. Finally, it came time to prepare for re-entry. He started going through checklists for what was needed to be accomplished before he could perform the retrofire and re-entry. I want to include one last quote from this new ocean. Quote, Down below, the Indian Ocean ship communicator asked if he needed any help in completing the pre-retro sequence checklist. Negative, he replied. All was in readiness for the last-minute arming of the retro rocket squibs. He waited and watched until he came in range of Shepard aboard the Pacific Command ship. 
In the darkness, he viewed a moonset, saw the proper star and planet pattern for his correctly aligned attitude swing into view, and noticed that one of his fingertip lights had burned out. Musing out loud for whoever could listen, he likened his situation once again to riding a train on celestial tracks leading back to Earth. Listening to the humming of the systems, he was reminded also of a ship underway at sea. He splashed down a short time later, successfully completing the longest duration flight of Project Mercury up to that time. Yesterday I was going to talk a little bit about the HBO series Westworld, but I'm saving that content for another occasion. It's an interesting sci-fi series that is worth checking out, so do that if you've got HBO. Also of note, I watched the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, and it was an intriguing third episode. I'm interested in seeing where the story goes, even though it's not like anything I've seen on Trek before. Like I mentioned in the past few days, I've started posting a weekly wrap-up post on Facebook. This past weekend, I featured Hubble and the Hubble Space Telescope. Make sure to follow the Space Shot on Facebook so you don't miss any of these posts. Check out the show notes for more information on today's episode, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a rating in iTunes. It takes just a minute to do that, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. I'd also appreciate if you could share the space shot with your friends and family, and anyone else that enjoys podcasts. Tomorrow, Sputnik. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.